You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, it is Friday. Well, technically it's Thursday night for us, but it's Friday when everyone's going to get to hear this. Happy Friday. Uh, congratulations on getting to the end of the week. Oh, I thought you were going to say congratulations uh, on the Houston Astros winning the World Series because I live in Texas. Um, Are you a, did, was that a, a thing in your world? Uh, you know, all my so my wife is from Houston, so all my in-laws are rock are uh, well Rockets fans as well, but Astros fans. And the thing is, my wife is a monster NBA fan, but is not really into baseball. So okay. we we watched like the last few innings of all the games. Um, we were recording the last couple, and then like we we were watching like the Bucks game on Wednesday night. So we we just basically just switched over. We didn't like try to catch up. We didn't do the DVR thing for for game seven. So, but it was it was fun. I mean, I got I you know I have to say I mean I obviously have no you know real claim to be an Astros fan other than through my my family here. But um, but it, it's a fun team. I was happy to see them win the World Series. It was very cool with everything that's uh, happened in Houston. Um, and uh, you know that's that's you know it's a fun team. It was it was weird. I actually enjoyed watching baseball for like a couple weeks, which I I totally agree. The last like month was pretty fun. Yeah, and I'm not you know I I follow the I'm a box score watcher for the Brewers. I will look Mm. at every box score, but I have not watched like a full game in probably a couple years, mainly because I just have no opportunities either. But um, yeah, regular season baseball just isn't interesting to me. But um, certainly the the playoffs uh demand playoff baseball it was uh it was a lot of fun this year but anyway um this I is not to... locked on baseball no this is locked on Ast- not locked on astros um i <laughs> i am uh i am going to houston this weekend so that should be should be fun uh to kind of see people jazzed about the astros but uh this is locked on bucks and uh we have Bucks stuff to talk about and unfortunately obviously we're not on the high of the bucks being on a winning streak or anything like that we we we, we do have the high of uh, a franchise record 19 three-pointers the other night and a Chris Middleton career high 43 points but um the Detroit Pistons uh the foes on Friday for the Milwaukee Bucks and um a little bit in a little bit we're going to go to um a, a recording I did with Matt Shook who's the host of Locked On Pistons I also did um a segment on the Bucks uh, for with Matt that he is going to go on Locked On Pistons um so we kind of traded answering questions about our respective teams. So we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more about uh, that game kind of moving forward. But I said, we, you asked me what I wanted to talk about tonight for the podcast. And I said, let's talk about the article you wrote about Giannis, because as I told you, there have been an absolute ton of articles written about Giannis. And I thought you did a great job writing about something that, that hadn't been covered yet and coming up with, uh, a different angle on Giannis and a more personal angle and, you know, kind of really using the fact that, 
you go into the Bucks locker room every game and talk to these guys and actually <laughs> yeah. remember things from from a while back. So um, I guess let's 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 pump that uh, that story and uh, I don't know, tell tell people a little bit about kind of what you wrote about and I know you were tweeting about some of the stuff that didn't go in the the story today, but maybe give us some of the some of the highlights uh, if people haven't gotten through yet. Uh... I guess I'll start with, so it's kind of like two parts. The, the first part talks about uh, after the Bucks lost in overtime to the Celtics last year in January when they were going through like their major losing streak. And then the next part is kind of the last week and, and losing in the return of the Mecca game and stuff like that. And that first part was something that, I don't know, like it's rare for post-game media sessions to stick with me like they all kind of blend together for me like you go over to the one side of the locker room and you're probably going to talk to greg monroe malcolm brogdon chris middleton thon like you're going to talk to that side and then you're going to do all of that while you wait for Giannis to get ready and uh, be ready to talk to the media and then you'll go talk to Giannis. and after that game against the Celtics, it's one of the few that have kind of ever stuck with me in just that it was a strange experience because it was when the Bucks were losing, so no one ever wanted to talk after games because everyone was just pissed. Like the, I think they had lost eight of nine. They just came off this big overtime loss uh, to the Celtics where they had chances to win it in the fourth quarter. Giannis had a chance to win it or tie it in overtime. I can't remember which. And like, it, the, it, it, it was just a strange night and it got even stranger because for the first time ever I heard Tony Snell talk. Um, <laughs> and and, and, I, and I, I say that obviously somewhat uh, in jest because I've heard, I had heard him talk. He had done media sessions and like forced times where he had to talk about things. Um, but I never heard him just like casually talking with teammates. And on that night, he like forcefully told Giannis, like, no, man, like we don't talk like that. We're positive in this locker room. We're not going to talk like that in here. And I was just like, wait, what? Like, and you couldn't hear anything Giannis was saying. Like, it was just, like, kind of, like, mumbling under his breath. Like, and Tony, like, kept going back to it. And I was like, oh, man, this is really strange. Uh, and then, uh, as that kind of all continued, you could overhear Tony telling Giannis, like, hey, man, you got to find something that allows you to clear your mind. Like, you think about basketball too much. Like, you have to find something else. And Tony was talking about how he plays dominoes. And, like, even if it's just for an hour, for that entire hour, he's able to take his mind off basketball. And he was like, you don't have that yet, Giannis. Like, you you have to find that thing. Otherwise, you're just going to drive yourself crazy. And Giannis just, like, kind of like shook his head, like, no, no, no. I don't want that. Like, I want to, no. Like, I, I'm not interested in that. And uh, I don't know. That interaction just kind of stuck with me for a while. And as I was going over my Celtics notes here at the start of the year, I kind of saw that I had marked that down last year, and I was like, huh, okay, let's let's go back to that. So I asked Tony about it, and Tony was like, yep, I remember that night. And I was like, whoa, okay. Like, one, I was just thinking, 
I just wanted to make sure someone could confirm that I wasn't crazy. Uh, and then I talked to... So did you did you ask him why he remembered? And he said that was the first time I ever spoke? <laughs> no, I told him that. I was like, I remember it because it was the first time I remember hearing your voice in the locker room. And like he like laughed a little bit and he was like, okay. So then he remembered it and we were talking about it. And uh, then we got talking about dominoes and I need to see Tony Snow play dominoes because he said... I was like... Because most of the time, like, if you get that that last play, like, you slam him down. And Tony's like, oh, I slam him down. And I was like, okay. Like, I'm like, you're, and, like, people normally, like, yell when they get that. He's like, oh, I do that, too. And I was like, okay, I need you. I, can I just film you playing dominoes at some point? Because that, uh, but, yeah, imagining Tony Snell do that. So uh, I, I kind of just went and talked to Tony about all of that. And he was re- obviously, I used him throughout the story to kind of tell this greater story um and he was great and kind of ran me through all of that and then i I talked to Giannis about it and uh he said he didn't remember it which was was kind of disheartening at first because it was like oh man i I thought maybe i'd be able to kind of retell this story um but then it ended up being even better in that Giannis like almost walked away when i told him like and asked him like oh did you ever find your version of dominoes like did you ever find that thing that can take your mind off basketball and he was just like no 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 i'm still the same way i can't take my mind off basketball no i was like there's not even for like 20 minutes no can't do it and i was like okay this is this is interesting because from that night forward i was kind of thinking in my head like this dude is like a kobe level lunatic in that like all he can think about is basketball so like i've kind of been under that assumption with Giannis, like, and obviously we've all heard the stories of him, and obviously I've seen him leave the the locker room in his jersey and get ready to go to the Cousin Center and do all that. So we've all heard those stories, but to actually hear him say all that was just like, okay. And then I don't really know what compelled him to say it, but he he was kind of done with our conversation, was walking away, and then just kind of turned to me and he was like, well, so I play chess now, right? And I was just like. No. Okay. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and then it was just funny because, as I guess all of us have probably seen, Giannis playing basketball. We've seen Giannis in a post game locker room. Like you, you know, there's that charismatic aspect of Giannis that that can kind of just start to go. And in that moment, he did, and he starts to explain, like, well, you know, if I'm playing chess, and he goes up to the wall, and he he puts his hand on the wall as if he's grabbing a piece and moving it from here to here, and he's going through all of this, and he's, like, just, like, looking at me, and all of that charisma is coming through, and he's like, so when I'm making a move, when I play chess, like, in my head, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm thinking? And I was like, no, I have no idea. He's like, I'm like... The- the only reason I'm playing chess right now is because I can't get my mind off basketball. So I'm thinking about basketball anyways. Like, I'm playing chess, but I'm thinking about it anyways. He's like, so I'll be ready to to make a move. And I'm like, ah, shit. I'm thinking about basketball again. And I was like, okay, Giannis, you you are a lunatic. That's that's great. Um, so that was kind of the story. And obviously just uh, I thought a good way – I've wanted to write a, a piece about Giannis being Kobe-level crazy um, and didn't really – I've tried it a couple times and didn't really have a good way in, and, and this ended up being uh, that opportunity. So um, – I was just kind of happy that that I got to tell that story. Um, and then 
once we were done talking about that, uh, it was something I couldn't include in the story. I tweeted it out. Uh, but once we were done with it, uh, I was uh, like, in my head immediately, I was like, just wait, is he good at chess? Like, cause, cause I think like he, he had like maybe like an Instagram story or something. I, I saw a picture of, uh, on Twitter that he was playing chess with his girlfriend or something. And I'd put that on his story. And I was like, I wonder if he's any good. So I was like, just wait, are, are you any good at chess? And, he like looked at me and, was, and like kind of like shocked, like what? Like how dare you ask that? Like, yeah, I'm really good. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, you you seem to be distracted. Like, can anyone confirm that you're really good? And he like thinks about it further. He's like, I, I don't know. Do you play? And I was and I don't play. So I was like, no, not not really. Uh, he's like, so well, I'm better than you. So like, wh- there's your answer. Like, why why are you asking? And I was like okay fair enough you're better than me like that that is totally fine uh so i I guess at some point i I need to just show up with a chessboard and challenge him to a game um i also need to learn how to play chess a little bit better uh but it it was just kind of funny that even in that moment like even as he was like telling a story that he hasn't probably told a lot of people all of a sudden his competitive nature came out and he was like well i'm better than you like that's enough and it was just funny and uh that's that's pretty much the story hopefully people go check it out um check it out on my twitter at eric underscore name um i've tweeted out a couple times in the last couple days and uh if not go to espn wisconsin and you can check it out there awesome yeah um so we've got this uh and and i think the interesting thing was like there's like i was saying there's so many yana stories out there um and i you know I'm, i'm sure buck's pr is being overwhelmed with every you know random journalist who wants to like fly into milwaukee and write you know the next Giannis piece or whatever and you know last year lee jenkins wrote a piece on him so he's already gotten that treatment um and trust me there's more coming because i've seen some national guys here in the last week or so and i haven't seen their stories yet so there's more coming yeah so there's no there will be no respite of Giannis stories but i think it was really fun to get a different look at him and you know I, i think what's what's definitely the best about this is that this isn't a story you could get just by parachuting in for, you know, a couple days, right? Like you, you had to have the context from a year and, and actually hearing Tony Snell say words aloud <laughs> in the locker room. Um, so it was, it was a lot of fun and, you know, it's a, it's a long story, but, but much worth, uh, definitely worth the read. So, uh, shout out to you, Eric. I'm glad you didn't write a crappy story because then I'd have to, you know, just find reasons to not talk about it or something. Um, also, someone, uh, Paulina on Twitter, one of our good friends on Buck's Twitter, uh, said that she wants me to write a Tony Snell story, and because she really enjoyed the Tony Snell parts of it. Yeah. And I will tell you this: I'm trying. I I am trying. <laughs> like he's really hard to crack. I, I know Matt Velasquez and I both we've talked to each other about our ideas for Tony Snell stories, and, and we're trying to figure out how to get them done so hopefully during this season each of us can get a good tony snell story but uh he's he's a tough nut to crack i will say that well we will see on friday i mean, I mean now's probably a good time to to talk to tony because he's been shooting the lights out and um i think he what he's had a seven out of eight game uh, seven, seven out of eight uh shooting night uh so far he's had a six out of seven game the other day um he's he's playing at a high level still incredibly low usage <laughs> as i mentioned the other day uh so hopefully we can kind of get him uh get him those additional looks because he he's hitting them right now um 
I don't know. I mean, when you uh, when you look at this game on Friday, you know, obviously we will get kind of the piston perspective here coming up. But um, kind of any anything that really jumps to mind from your perspective. I mean, there's it's kind of funny. There are there are a lot of uh, interweaving storylines between the Bucks and Pistons, whether it's uh, Chris Middleton and Tobias Harris and uh, the fact that both those guys obviously have grown into bigger roles since leaving the Bucks and Pistons respectively or I forget which order I just used, but um, but obviously those two guys are going to probably figure prominently on the wing uh, with their connections to Detroit and Milwaukee. Uh, a lot of kind of backstory, you know, Henry Ellenson trying to kind of break out this year as a second year player, the Wisconsin native, and you know, funny funny enough, I mean the 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 lines run very deep in terms of the front office stuff between these two teams, with John Horst having been you know the unpaid intern, you know working nights at UPS or whatever the story was when he was just breaking into the league. And now he's obviously the, the head of, uh, of uh, the front office for the Bucks. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, these are teams obviously that have both. I, I was joking with Matt, you know, the, the Bucks are sort of, you know, kind of aside from Giannis, you know, the, the Pistons obviously have, haven't had a Giannis type, but they're kind of where in some ways the Pistons were going into last season with some expectations that they're going to take a next step. And the Pistons were actually kind of like, the Bucks team from the year before, so they're just sort of going back and forth, ping ponging with expectations. But, um, but obviously both these teams, you know, the Bucks certainly, the Pistons have ambitions. Obviously, I think of at a minimum making the playoffs. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, how would you kind of assess this game? Are there certain things you're kind of looking out for? Uh, it feels like a pretty big game, but I don't know. Maybe that's just because it's early in the season and our emotions are running high. I just kind of looked at. Like, like I looked at what the Pistons have done thus far this season, and I just find myself asking, like, "Wait, that team has won five games? Like, they're five and three? Because cause you look at them, and I I don't know if there's anything that really stands out. I, obviously, uh, Reggie Jackson is in like trade rumors right now, but they're not good trade rumors. Like, people are like no." We do not want Reggie Jackson. <laughs> and when I look at his stats, I'm like okay, sixteen, six, and four, like that's not that's not terrible. And when I look at Andre Drummond, I know the big thing is that he's like shooting seventy percent from the free throw line. But then, as I brought that up, you're like, well, he only shoots like two free throws a game, and that is true. And he's averaging like twelve and fourteen. And Tobias Harris is their twenty point score, their leading score. Avery Bradley's got like fourteen nights. So, like, I just look at this team and think like. I I'm not a hundred percent sure how they're winning winning basketball games, and then I look at two. I mean, two things this year: the Bucks are fouling a ton, and always we always look at three point attempt rate, and the Pistons are nineteenth in three point attempt rate and thirtieth in free throw rate. So to me, that's that's says okay that that should mean good things for the Milwaukee Bucks that uh, maybe they're they're able to kind of handle that and this Pistons team is 13th in offense rating 13th in defensive rating so just kind of middle of the road and managing to win some games so I don't know if it's a game that concerns me but in games that don't concern me this year um, I think I have high high enough expectations for this Bucks team that I think okay that should be a win like if if I'm not concerned about that team, I think you should beat them, which maybe isn't fair to a team that's 5-3 and three on the season and has, has done a really nice job, but that's just kind of how I feel. Um, so I, I think I, I expect the Bucks to win, and again, I don't know if that's fair, but I 
think at some point you just kind of have to start expecting those things from this team uh, if they're going to be the team that we thought they might be at the start of the year where they are hosting a home playoff series or maybe able to win a playoff series. Yeah, it's been kind of feast or famine for, for the Pistons so far. As I mentioned, in aggregate, slightly above average offensively, slightly above average defensively. I know Matt, his big question was, you know, how sustainable can the offense be without, you know, kind of that star caliber player to lead them and um you know looking at their the what they've done recently um they have this three-game winning streak where they win at home against the timberwolves when beating them by 21 they go on the road in a back-to-back and beat the clippers by eight and the warriors by eight uh and so you know a three-game stretch there over four days that couldn't have been kind of more impressive and then they follow that up by losing by 20 in LA to the Lakers uh, on Tuesday. So kind of up and down there. They also lost at home to the Sixers. Um, so they've kind of been all over the place so far this season. Harris, as you mentioned, has had two 30-point games, but he's been 18 or fewer the last three games uh, and four of the last five. So, um, yeah, you just never know kind of what you're going to get from this team. Um, you know, I've often cited them as – kind of a team that uh you know using my litmus test of whether or not the opponent shoots threes as whether or not i should be afraid of the opponent uh often i've said the pistons were a team you know that i just didn't really fear because i just didn't think that they would really be able to kind of unlock the bucks challenges last year um and so far this year they're actually shooting more threes but uh again they're not a prolific uh three-point shooting team by any stretch so um so we'll see but they do average 29 three points uh three pointers attempted per game that's up almost 25 percent over where they were a year ago so they're at least shooting the ball more like like many teams but certainly a pretty pronounced improvement there uh obviously the bucks also shooting more threes this year so it'll be interesting to see if if one of those teams can um you know maybe get hotter than the other one but uh you know interesting also looking at the stats this team is first in turnover rate on offense and second in turnover rate on defense so uh the turnover battle has been that they have been just killing at uh, all season long which um you know again turnover rate isn't like the leading indicator of like kind of the four factors like you know which what what's going to lead you to to the promised land but clearly at least on the margins you know those extra possessions that you're getting by by taking care of the ball and uh enforcing extra turnovers obviously that's a that's a major plus and Forcing turnovers, obviously, especially for a team that doesn't have sort of the, the star calibers uh, players on offense is uh, is obviously a positive. So, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, this is a game that I think you look at and you say, you know what? You know, this is a team that you want to beat and, and you feel like you have a very good chance of beating. And obviously, we've seen the Bucks win games in Detroit the last couple of years. Uh, and again, though, you know, it feels like in today's NBA, I I mean, with three point with everybody shooting more threes, you know, it, it does feel like the volatility of outcomes is just higher than it's ever been. I don't know if there's sort of data to back that up, but I am curious to see sort of, you know, like at the end of the year, if, you know, sort of the predictability of outcomes yeah. is uh, is different than it, than it has been in the past. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the best teams win fewer games than they normally do, but um, just night to night, maybe you see more kind of bad teams or average teams beating good teams just you know out of nowhere just because they get hot from three so i swear sometimes um, you read my mind because i as we were having this conversation or as you were talking i should say i was just thinking in my head because i've seen some tweets about it lately like okay what if people if every team is shooting this many threes now like what's it going to look like in five years and uh if i think i'm trying to think who tweeted out something about how the seven seconds or less suns would have been blank in pace in this 25th yeah. and then someone responded like well they would have been 25th in the 80s as well when 
everyone was just playing crazy fast basketball. And I, I don't know. It, it, it's just interesting to think about. We talked about it a little bit the other night with defenses and how all it takes is, I don't know, three years, four years, five years for defenses to look totally out of place from what they were a while ago. And I, I don't know. Like, I know the game isn't evolving at, at a at a pace any different. It just feels like that because we've we're kind of analyzing it so much, and we're in a time where that's what we do. But and it always changes. But I don't know. Part of me just wonders, like, man, is it changing faster now? Like, instead of decades, are, are we that like define basketball? Are we into like three year periods that define basketball? Five year periods that define basketball? And I, I don't know. I, I've just been thinking about that idea a lot lately about how quickly the game has changed and just how different things look even like i said just from like the start of jason kidd's tenure in 2014-15 like how different things have become yeah we'll see i mean it it feels like we're you know you have to be you know when you think about like building offensive and defensive schemes it's not just like okay what what, what's the league doing now it's like you know the whole skate to the puck type thing like what what is the league going to look like a year or two years from now and and you know is there a um, I don't want to say stopping point, but is there a point here where where three point rate will will finally stabilize, or or I don't know, maybe even go down at some point? I, I'm not sure. Um, it's tough to say. I mean, we you know the irony has been the Spurs have kind of bucked the trend a little bit yep. uh, in terms of going back to maybe a little more old school basketball, um, which is ironic because I feel like you know a few years ago you heard people say, oh look the Spurs they figured it out, no more post ups, <laughs> all ball movement, three pointers. Yeah. And and obviously, I mean, they still play. I think, uh, you know, quote unquote, the right way in many respects, and the unselfishness and the approach and things like that. Um, but at least offensively, they don't necessarily fit sort of the super, you know, uber modern type type offense that that everybody is now assuming you have to play. So, uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I probably trust uh, Greg Popovich to innovate or zag uh, better than Stan Van Gundy on the offensive end yeah. of, of the basketball, but. Um, or at the offensive end of the court, not the offensive end of the basketball. Um, but uh, we'll see. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this Pistons team, I don't know. I mean, they feel like, sure, they could be a 500 team. You know, yeah. they have enough pieces that are solid. Do they have, you know, the stars that you need to generally be very good? I, I just don't don't see them having the talent level um, to be in, like, a top five. But if they were sixth, seventh, sure, they could be in there. But it'll be interesting to see because I think certainly, you know, the Pacers and the Magic and some of these other teams kind of similarly who have, you know, some solid talent, maybe not the top-end talent, but um, it'll be interesting to see just how sustainable any of this is. I don't know, um, but, uh, but I guess we'll see. Anything else before we kick it to my conversation with Matt? I don't think so. Um, I just think basketball's in a, in a fun spot right now where every night you're watching a game and – and kind of learning new things and thinking about the game in a different way. Like, it just, uh, I, I don't know, it's fun. I, I, I like how much I'm critically thinking about the game of basketball from night to night because I don't know if I was doing that at the sa- in the same way a few years ago. So it's fun. I'm excited about it, and I like it. That's all I got. Basketball is fun. Yeah. Basketball is fun. You're here to hear first. Um, all right, well, that's enough for us together talking um i will now uh kick it over to myself and uh and matt shook from locked on pistons um 
it was a fun conversation. Got to ask him a little bit about, you know, we it was funny because we did kind of two separate discussions. One that was like more him asking me about the Bucks, and then you'll hear the one where I talk uh, and ask him questions about the Pistons. So check out his pod if you want to hear me talk more, and we'll hear you'll hear Matt now in a moment. But um, interesting to hear him get give his perspective on Tobias Harris and Reggie Jackson, and you know the trade rumors around that, and you know whether the Pistons are a team that that might make a big move. I mean, it seems like. You know, as far as an Eric Bledsoe, Reggie Jackson move, that that doesn't necessarily seem like anything is actually going to happen there. But um, we'll be interested to see if the Pistons do make a move because they certainly seem like a team that, you know, is not going to get there the way they're currently constructed. And and certainly they have a lot of challenges from a a cap standpoint. You know, we we talk about the Bucks a lot, but the Pistons do just as much. So Uh, let's do um, some let's do some planning here. Uh, What 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 should our listeners expect from us for schedule? uh this weekend yeah well i am i am like i said i'm going to houston so i will be maybe not watching the game live on friday and then i don't even i eric i live one day at a time i don't even know the next time the bucks play after <laughs> it's after tuesday friday. it is tuesday tuesday okay yeah so i i don't know well i guess if they have some great game, if Giannis scores 50 points, then I will be furiously trying to do a podcast with you <laughs> late late Friday or early Saturday morning. Um, but uh, I, more likely than not, I feel like we're not going to be podcasting till Sunday. So maybe okay. maybe late that Sunday night we get to something me. up. All right. Okay. I just wanted to get it on All the right. record so people knew what to expect. Yeah, now we're committed uh, for better or worse. So Okay, well, I, I will leave it there. Uh, you can just listen to me talk to Matt and um, – as you said, enjoy the game on Friday night. Fingers crossed the Bucks uh, maybe put an end to some of the frustration we've had the last couple games. And uh, obviously we'll talk to you guys very soon. Eric, it's been a pleasure as always. And here we go with Matt. All right, I'm very pleased to be here with Matt Shook. We just recorded me talking a little bit about the Bucks, so you should definitely check out Locked on Pistons for a bit of that if you want to hear me droning on about the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, but Matt, thanks for joining. And the Detroit Pistons, um, I, I mean, am I wrong in saying that you got to feel pretty good about what you're seeing from this team early, early on? I mean, how are, how are folks in Detroit feeling after obviously a pretty tough year last year? Well, ironically enough, they're opening up the new arena in downtown Detroit. Detroit this uh, this year and it was such a late change then and that's kind of the the latest excuse but the crowds have not been very good at Little Caesars Arena for the Pistons game for the Pistons games it's a team that coming into the season other than the Avery Bradley acquisition for Marcus Morris from the Celtics there wasn't a whole lot to get excited about outside of that new arena but then they go ahead and they start winning a bunch of games. They they went out west and just beat the Clippers on Saturday night and then the Warriors on Sunday night and back-to-back nights on a, obviously a real tough trip. So fans get excited about 5-2, and two, best conference record in the Eastern Conference, winning, leading the division, and then they go out and get manhandled by the Lakers on Tuesday night. So it's hard to kind of expect where this team is at right now. They're 5-3. and three. Obviously, it's a great start when you look at the schedule and to say those wins that they had. But – you know, so much basketball to be played and, and Stan Van Gundy's still figuring out that rotation. And I just, you know, it's, it's hard to say where this team's going. The Bucks at the beginning of the road trip coming Friday night at Little C's arena is by far the toughest team that's going to be coming in during this five game trip. So the fans are talking about possibly a four and one or five and Oh, homestand possibly. So it's, there's promising signs. A lot of guys that are hopefully recovering from some tough years last year and if they can get everything kind of going in the right direction with the added depth that they've picked up the last couple off seasons 
it could be a team on the rise getting back to the track that they were on two years ago when they had a strong season, made the playoffs, gave Cleveland four tough games, even though it was a first-round sweep. After such a disappointing year last year, they hope to kind of get back to where they were two years ago and go forward from there. It was interesting when I was going to check the bas- the Pistons basketball reference page, and I was expecting to see a bunch of guys like you know putting up crazy numbers and you know looking like they can't possibly sustain this. And maybe a couple numbers kind of jumped out that way. I mean, it seems like Tobias Harris is obviously off to a great start for the former Buck. Um, Andre Drummond is shooting seventy percent from the foul line, albeit in a small sample. So that's that's got to be <laughs> an exciting thing for for Pistons fans. But from look at this roster. I mean, it is interesting. Stanley Johnson's had a tough start again. Um, you know, Avery Bradley, we know he's, I think, I, I would surprise, I've heard kind of positive things around Avery Bradley kind of early on, but he really hasn't shot the ball particularly well yet. So that's probably a, a good thing to see if you're, you know, winning games with Avery Bradley not quite playing up to his potential. And um, Reggie Jackson also kind of looking much better than he has uh, in, in recent memory. I mean, when you look at this roster, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what of this is real? What of this is maybe unsustainable? Are there you know, kind of maybe a couple things that you think are real, a couple things that you maybe think aren't real, and it could be positive or negative, I guess, on the on the sustainability question. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, as you kind of assess this, and obviously the the record is is obviously a, a positive thing right now, but um, kind of moving forward, trying to project this team uh, for the rest of the season, uh, what do you think this team is going to look like over the course of this year as far as some of these guys who um, obviously a number of them playing well, a number of them pro- can probably play better, and, you know, defense and offense both kind of, slightly above average right now. I mean, what what is this team's identity going to be and and who are going to be the key guys for it this year? Well, I think when you look at the, the, the history of the Detroit Pistons and the history of Stan Van Gundy and some of the athleticism of these guys, I think defensively, like you said, it's going to maintain and, and be an above-average team. The question is offensively, if, if they're going to be able to uh, sustain some of this stuff. And no, Andre Drummond's not going to be a 70-plus free-throw shooter the rest of the way. But to say that he you know, can make a big improvement from 35 or the 30s that he was before. I mean, he looks a lot more smooth in the, in the preseason. He was even better. He was outstanding in the preseason from the line. So to say he can be a 55% shooter, and I know that sounds kind of funny coming from teams that or fans that haven't followed the Pistons or, or Ben Wallace or Shaq or, or some of these free throw shooters from the past, but to get him up to 55 would be a big deal for Detroit. So, and I think Andre Drummond had the surgery in the off season to repair his deviated septum. He couldn't breathe out of his left nostril. And it kind of explains away a little bit of some of the energy issues that he's had. He, you know, he, he just couldn't recover quick enough. And um, hopefully that if you're a Pistons fan, that is kind of taking care of itself. He's been very good so far this season. And Reggie Jackson had a, a he missed a lot of the he missed the beginning of last season and then when he played throughout the entire year last year he just wasn't very explosive and the pistons are such a pick and roll heavy team that you need reggie going around that corner really strongly and uh making things happen for other players too cuz other than harris there's not a whole lot of guys that are going to be creating their own shots and doing things late in the shot clock or things like that so like i said i think that defensively it's going to be effort with van gundy and uh, a lot of these guys are strong defensively. Now, it's funny. I just mentioned Drummond and Jackson. Those are two guys who are not very good defensively. Um, Drummond, although he'll throw some shots in the 16th row sometimes, he, especially against the, the you know, the Carl Anthony Towns, the quicker new version of big men out there, he struggles mightily against those guys. And Reggie Jackson, even when he is healthy with his knee, he can't really keep up with point guards on the defensive end 
too well as well. But they need Bradley and they need Stanley Johnson and Tobias Harris, Bradley and Johnson being the standouts defensively and Harris, someone who made some strides on that side of the court last year. They need those guys to step up, but they need then they need to find some bench scoring consistently from someone, or if it's going to be a group, Langston Galloway has been good and efficient in his limited minutes so far this year. And then from there on, maybe it's Henry Ellenson, who's a, a local guy for you guys who uh, was drafted last year and is starting to get some minutes now, or maybe it's this year's first round pick and Luke Kennard out of Duke. So there's some chances for this team to grow offensively as a unit, but that would be the thing that would be the question mark as far as sustainability for this run is if they can score the ball as much as they need to, to compete in the, today's NBA. Both the Bucks and now the Pistons have been linked with interest in Eric Bledsoe. Um, there's some talk today of, of the Pistons uh, apparently at least discussing some kind of trade that would have sent Reggie Jackson to either Phoenix or some other team and, and a first round pick potentially for, for Eric Bledsoe. Likewise, the Bucs have been linked with you know some kind of move uh, involving uh, Eric Bledsoe and lots of debate. I know we've talked about on our podcast about whether or not you'd give up Malcolm Brogdon. And I think certainly the consensus from us has been, no, uh, we just don't think Bledsoe is kind of good enough to, to give up on Brogdon for. And it seems like that's also the feeling of the Bucs. But um, I know we've talked a lot about, uh, about it a lot uh, on our podcast, but I don't know. I mean, what was your reaction to that rumor? Uh, and, and I guess in the big picture, I mean, if you are uh, the Pistons moving forward, I mean, uh, is there kind of a, a type of trade that you're looking for to, you know, move either a specific player for, uh, you know, a different type of player or a specific, you know, skill set that the Pistons need? Obviously, you know, you might think uh, I would guess just sort of some type of, you know, kind of more elite offensive players probably would be a nice thing. But uh, I don't know. I mean, is there a sense that, you know, the Pistons need to make a move like X? Uh, to really kind of take that next step? Or, you know, do you feel like the team is kind of in, you know, kind of a hold mode and uh, they're just going to sort of see what they've got here first before they try to do anything big? Well, I think with Reggie Jackson, Jackson specifically, that he he looks, he's been looking good in training camp and looked good early this season, but he was so bad last year that he needs some time to build up his value a little bit. He's got that big contract. He signed for five and 80 a couple summers ago. So, He's he's a net negative right now in terms of an asset. So the rumors that were going out with Bledsoe had the Pistons attaching a first round pick to him, and I don't think that's something you want to do. And and hopefully, if you're the Pistons, your first round pick isn't it isn't in the you know late single digits or early teens anymore going forward. But even still, I think that you know Jackson and a first round pick it's it's a tough to swallow uh, for Eric Bledsoe, who's obviously very talented and very athletic, but hasn't had a track record of a lot of success and has picked up some injuries the last couple of years. So I think that for Reggie Jackson in particular, you'd probably like to hold on a little bit before making a move and maybe get him to drive up his value. Like I said, up to where it's at least a, a, a zero in terms of being a net negative as a, as an asset right now. But yeah, I think if Stan Van Gundy, the president wants to help out Stan Van Gundy, the coach, I think that he's got to look at upgrading somewhere. Now there's not an obvious glaring need because they have the you know the starting five quote unquote uh, together and they're all pretty good players, but do you Stanley Johnson with someone who's a little bit better offensively? Do you need to trade Andre Drummond? And that was big in the rumors last trade deadline with Drummond's disappointing last year for for someone who can get things done a little bit more defensively and then maybe become a little bit more um, 
you know, reliable offensively as well. There are, and there are potential moves out there possibly for all those positions or maybe even a little bit more depth, but it's good now for Van Gundy that he's got a little bit more assets. I think his bench is a little bit more well thought of than it was a couple of years ago with some of the uh, acquisitions that they've made. But the problem for the Pistons is that their salary cap numbers are not good. They're still in salary cap hell right now. The, the rookie contracts of Johnson, Ellenson, and Kennard, and then you throw Avery Bradley, who's on an expiring deal, are really the only ones that are are you know easily stomachable. The rest of everyone else is twenty five percent overpaid or or worse. So it's 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 out of, it's off it's past my pay grade to come up with a move right now that would make this team a lot better. But I think that as you look back at the Pistons when they made the the Stackhouse for Rich Ham Rip, Rip, Rip Hamilton deal or the Dantley for Aguirre deal from back then for the pre-bad boys days maybe there's something like that that might catch you by surprise where you say oh that guy was pretty good why did we trade him maybe a tobias harris or something like that ends up in a deal like that that ends up pushing this team to the next level or or maybe it backfires who knows but there could be something like that up their sleeve down the line on that topic i mean the the guy that is probably not that not that anything has ever been imminent around a trade but the guy that is probably the most interesting to discuss in that sense is, is Andre Drummond. And uh, I, I mean, from your perspective, obviously Drummond's a guy who came into the league and was, you know, uh, a man child from basically the start and put up big numbers. Hasn't really, and I think maybe part, you know, some of it maybe is on him. He hasn't necessarily improved in the way that maybe people hoped. Uh, and the game has obviously changed for a bit. And, and that probably is also, you know, an, a reason for, for why Andre Drummond is maybe not thought of today the way he was, you know, three years ago. But, uh, you know, I don't know, pick pick a time in the future, you know, end of next summer or the year after. I mean, is Andre Drummond a guy that you, you think is going to be here for the long haul? Is he a guy that you think is very likely to be dealt in the year? I, I don't know. I mean, how does Andre Drummond kind of fit into that big picture future? How much uncertainty is there around him? Because I think certainly from at least the outside, he seems to be like the big question mark, you know, as far as how the Pistons want to build for their future. Yeah, it's a good question. Um like you said, he, he kind of started off so fast in his career and then had a, a bad year and a half basically recently. But he's another guy who's going to have to trade up, drive up his value if the Pistons are going to get any kind of value for him in a deal. They signed him to the max contract last summer. And the other thing about Andre Drummond is he's 24 years old. I know it's hard to believe because he's been around for a while now, but he's 24 years old. Um, and like you said, the way that the NBA has changed, you can cross off a handful of teams that wouldn't have any interest in him, in him at all as he's, you know, just a, a a rim scorer, a liability on the free throw line, can't defend one-on-one defensively very well, even though he, he can protect the rim a little bit. Um, he's just such a unique player that I think that as far as when Stan Van Gundy's been in charge of this team and will continue to to coach this team for however long that is, I think that they're kind of married to each other in, in a lot of ways. And I think that he will be in here uh, for the next few years. It was a five-year deal that he signed last summer. So I think that Pistons fans, for better or worse, are stuck with him. You'd be, you might be surprised. Uh, you mentioned Jason Kidd uh, when we had our interview on my podcast about how, you know, Bucks fans aren't crazy about Jason Kidd as a coach. I think it's kind of similar for Andre Drummond because he's he's a big guy, so it's hard for fans to relate to him in any kind of way. He's uh you know, he's not a overly happy go lucky guy appearance wise, so that doesn't fulfill fans, you know, need to be uh, you know, finding a gregarious, likable superstar on the surface or anything like that. So 
he's a difficult guy to to get a get a grip on, but I think for a lot of those same reasons with the way that the league has moved and the way that his career has kind of been up and down, I think he's the guy who's most likely to be here in three years when you look at this roster. But I think that the Pistons are in such a unique situation with so many guys that had down years last year and some of them trying to bounce back that if there is a move that's going to be made, it's probably more of a trade deadline type of move and it's maybe even next off season type of move. So I don't expect the Pistons to make any big deals, especially when it comes to Jackson and Drummond in the next you know month or so or before the, the new year. You mentioned the three young guys you've got, you know, three guys in their age 21 season, Luke Kennard, um, the the new guy uh the rookie uh in addition to henry ellenson obviously milwaukee uh milwaukee fans marquette fans people in wisconsin obviously very familiar with henry's backstory um and stanley johnson who you know has just kind of never gotten on track it seems since he was drafted in the latter couple years back uh looking at those three i mean you pointed out it obviously crucial when you're building a team especially a young team to get production from rookie contracts and for a team like detroit that does not have a great salary cap situation, uh, obviously even more important. Um, I mean, out of that group, is there one guy, if you had to pick one guy that you have the highest hopes for, uh, and either because just pure talent standpoint or, or just the way that they fit with the rest of the roster, I mean, who would you kind of single out uh, out of that group as far as, you know, the guy that, that you would want out of that group if you could only pick one? Well, Johnson's farther along than the other two because Ellenson spent most of his rookie season in Grand Rapids with the the D League. So, but Ellenson's shown some great things. Stan Van Gundy raved about him during training camp. He did really well in his preseason minutes and has played well in the few games that he has gotten pretty good minutes in so far. So, Stanley Johnson is limited offensively. I don't see how that changes much over the years, and he's kind of a polarizing figure with with fans and that some of them talk about his defense being transcendent and that he's one of the, you know, rising stars defensively in the league. Other, otherwise it's like, well, you know, Avery Bradley's better and how good defensively is him. I mean, how many great performances or, or, you know, things that are resume building type things does he have that show how great of a defensive player he is. So if he, if you pin me down, I'm actually going to go with Ellenson because he's a unique player. He's shown huge growth since when he got drafted. He's one of these guys that, like you said, the Bucks fans are familiar. Many Bucks fans are familiar with his backstory. He's like one of those eat, sleeps and breathes basketball guys. He's just a gym rat. And that I think that he'll, continue to improve offensively and it'll show over the years and he hopefully can make stand make steps to becoming a competent defensive player as well because you need to be able to do that to play for Stan Van Gundy consistently uh Ellenson didn't play a few games after playing well in the opener and then playing well in the fifth game and Van Gundy made an interesting comment saying he kind of is kicking himself for not playing Ellenson as much as he possibly could I think Kennard He's he's a better scorer than some people might think. He's has the potential to be a very good shooter as well, but also limited defensively at this point. I think there's a definite ceiling with with where he could go. So I think Ellenson's that guy if I had to pick one, just because he's he's a you know that's where the NBA is going. He's long. He could score in a lot of different ways. He's a matchup problem, and I think that it's nice for the Pistons to finally get one of those guys on their side. All right, you, you, you're playing to the crowd as well here, obviously picking the Wisconsin native and that, and that of course. one. So uh, you can't go wrong there. But, um, Matt, really appreciate uh, taking the time to uh, answer some of our pressing Pistons questions, and I think certainly we'll be uh, more educated viewers of the game on Friday night and all these other games that are coming up. 
for hearing your thoughts on the piston. So um, thanks so much. Tell us uh, how we can find you uh, on the World Wide Web. Where, where all can our listeners find you? Yeah, I'm like I said, I'm the host of the Locked On Pistons podcast. We got our own podcast feed uh, on Twitter, Locked On Pistons. I got my own personal feed where I'm tweeting about the Pistons and and the NBA at Matt underscore, and then my last name Shook S C H O C H, and then another underscore after that. I got a Facebook page, a journalist page of the same name, so you can find us there. And like you said, I I think it's going to be interesting to see these teams grow and and kind of go maybe some peaks and valleys over the next couple of years like you said the pistons were maybe ahead a little while ago and now the bucks are certainly ahead but uh we'll see how this shakes out this year and and i have a feeling that this could be a first round playoff matchup as well possibly that three six four five or something like that so we could uh we could be getting familiar with each other frank the Great Lakes rivalry could be rekindled. Um, that that would be fun. I mean, we'd have to come back and do these some more. You know, I was I was joking with uh, John Corrales from our Piston or our uh, Celtics podcasting friends, Locked On Celtics, that you know I I have never had to do a you know in the ten years that I wrote about the Bucks, I never had to do a preview in the month of May. Uh, I never had to do any any work in after the month of April. So um, if we if we had to do some podcasting, you know, talking about actual Milwaukee Bucks basketball, actually Detroit Pistons basketball uh, in the month of May, that would be a good thing. So uh, we'll see. But certainly, uh, I think both teams at least heading the right direction, and, and obviously Pistons uh, a pleasant surprise early. So we'll see uh, we'll see which way things go on Friday. And uh, again, thanks, Matt, so much. And uh, obviously, we'll uh, hopefully catch up with you soon. Thanks, Frank. I appreciate your time.